Hello, Governance Warriors. You're tuned in to the Sankila Spion, the podcast, your go-to podcast on governance and nation building. Brought to you by the Institute for Solidarity in Asia, this podcast aims to shed light on various governance issues and encourage more Filipinos to take ownership of their role in shaping the future of our country. In this episode, we'll continue to talk about nation building through your right of suffrage. And to guide us through another enlightening discussion, here's one of ISA's program coordinator and governance warrior, Luis Martinez. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Isangkilos Bayan podcast, your go-to podcast on governance and nation building. I'm Luis Martinez one of the program coordinators of the Institute for Solidarity in Asia. And on behalf of ISA, I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in. In our first episode, we tackled the concept of our dream Philippines and how we can achieve this. Today, let's begin our journey to creating a better Philippines. As the 2022 national elections is fast approaching, the time left to register is ticking even faster, you know, with deadlines around September. So with this happening in the middle of a pandemic, there's a great need to reassess what it means to vote smart and to remember what our responsibilities before, during, and after national elections. In this podcast, we'll highlight what it means to be a responsible citizen by exercising one's right to vote, along with the different factors that affect one political participation. We brought together three individuals who will share with us their insights and ideas on our role and responsibilities in the national elections. Our first guest is the founder of the Initiative PH, a nonprofit development organization which is committed to working with indigenous peoples, women, and the youth towards community development and good governance. Everyone, let's welcome Ms. Angela Encomienda. Hi, Angela. Hi, everyone. Our second guest speaker is the co-founder and program manager of Angat Bayi, an organization envisioned to contribute to the elimination of barriers to women's entry into politics. And aside from being a passionate advocate for women's rights and the arts, she's also a proficient feminist researcher and trainer. Recently, she was chosen as one of the fellows of the Vital Voices Global Partnerships Re-Engage Fellowship. Let's welcome Ms. Maya Tamayo. Hi, Ms. Maya. Hi, magandang hapon. Magandang hapon, Luis, Angela, Hi. and Eric. Lastly, we have an advocate of education and organizing communities for election-related activities, electoral reforms, and good governance. Currently, he is the Secretary General of the National Citizens Movement for Free Elections, or NAMFRED, the first election watchdog non-governmental organization in the world. Everyone, let's welcome Mr. Eric Alvi. Hi, Sir Eric. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to be here. To begin our discussion, we all know that as a democratic country, one of the rights is suffrage or to vote. And as elections approach, whether you know, it's the national presidential or your local mayor, governor, or representative, the common buzzword that associates voting is voters education or voting wisely. So what does it mean exactly? And there's this popular saying that every nation gets the government it deserves. Do you guys agree or disagree with that statement? Let's start with Sir Eric. Yes, elections is basically a human right. 
each and every citizen, regardless of where he's coming from, race, color, or creed, political persuasion, nationality, has that basic right. The right to choose his or her leaders. We're basically entrusting our lives to these people to lead us, to lead us to a better life. And what better way to make this choice through an election? Of course, elections has to be free and fair because hopefully having a free and fair elections leads to good governance and good governance leads to development. And hopefully good governance leads and this development leads towards a better quality of life for all. But it doesn't stop there. We also have to make sure that there are proper choices of people that are presented to us. It's not just basically the right to choose, but also the right to run for public office. Uh, how about Angela? Do you agree or disagree with the statement that every nation gets the government it deserves? To be honest, I feel like at this point in time, we only get the government, we only get the governance that we have been politically conditioned to have. But it certainly is an ideal for us to fight for the government that we deserve. So once we have enabled our Filipino people to really politically participate, then that's a time when we can truly say that we get the government that we deserve. Okay, that's a good point that you raised, Angela. Uh, how about you, uh, Ms. Maya? What are your thoughts on the statement? To many, the perception of voting can bring about political change, right? achieve development, or simply provide us with basic services that we need. Uh, Those are the different various reasons. But also there are people, or we have citizens, that for them, voting is simply who gave them ayuda, who gave them medical assistance, or who built the basketball court in the barangay, for example, with their names on it. I mean, that's the reality that we're facing right now. And then we have us, maybe the minority, who believes that voting is a means to a goal. One of our responsibilities as active citizens in protecting democratic processes and institutions and achieving change. For example, in Angat Bayi, we, we are really passionate about it because women, for the longest time, did not have the right to vote. As Sir Eric has mentioned earlier, it's a basic human right, but we don't have it. It's only in 1937 that we, we get to vote, we get to have that right to vote. And as we can see, we have 50%, half of the population are women, more than 50% of the voters are women, but we only get elected seats for, what, 20%, around 20% in the last election. So there is really that also for us need also to participate in a larger political activity, not just voting, but also fielding candidates, running for office, and winning seats because we have candidates, women candidates, and mostly the pathways to politics would be dynastic families. But winning seats is another challenge for them. Actually, that's the reason why I asked the first question. No? It's a very difficult answer to question, but it somehow sets the tone for this episode that Ms. Maya was able to touch on. One is that there are a lot of factors in terms of getting people in government. No? It's not as simply as straightforward as people think. That once you register, you vote, and then that's it. It goes beyond that. So the next demographic that gets highlighted aside from women during elections would be the youth no and it's a common understanding from a knowledge that when you talk about youth in politics the adjective that's connected with that is that they are apathetic but historically the youth have been more inclined to participate in what we call non-formal or informal political activities no such as 
volunteerism, activism, campaigns. And we've seen a lot of that, especially during the pandemic, where the grassroots movement or people doing their part in their community. So, Angela, being the founder of uh, the initiative PH, celebrating its uh, four years, no? So, congratulations, no? Looking back at where it all started, if I remember correctly, it started helping the underprivileged in TAF. Why do you think there is a need for you, your friends, to create this initiative called Project TAF rather than going through the, the chain of the formal processes like raising it to the appropriate government agency like DSWD or like going to the city of Manila and asking the social welfare desk for help for, let's say, feeding the underprivileged in TAF? You know, I think it merits saying that sobrang bureaucratic ng processes in DSWD for us to be able to politically participate in formal processes, lalo na sa decision-making kahit on the barangay level. Mahirap. Because when we reach out and we're young people and they tell us, anong magagawa mo? Wala ka namang alam. Hindi ka naman talaga immersed sa mga nangyayari dito sa lugar namin. Diba? You know, at that time, four years ago, Project TAF was really a top-down approach for us to help solve the problems in TAF, lalo na yung mendicancy, lalo na yung homelessness in TAF. It was very top-down, wherein namimigay kami ng what we think they need. You know? And over the years, a lot has changed in the organization. And we really shifted to a more bottom-up approach, wherein mas naging importante to us to really ask the people what they need and really assess kung ano yung development realities nila kung ano yung mga problema nila, not just yung surface problems, but yung deeper problems. And I think that's a testament to what democracy should be as practiced by the youth. And I think that what we need to acknowledge is that first, yung sinabi ko kanina, napaka-bureaucratic ng mga proseso, and that's something that needs to change. The youth shouldn't have to be creating their own organizations na separate from the rest of the sectors of society para lang makakamit ng social change in the world. Definitely, the pandemic has given us an opportunity since we're digital natives to really shine in the digital space. But we have to remind ourselves that this shouldn't be the norm. Now we're depending on young people to be separate, to start their own isolated thing. We need to act as a collective. We need to act like we understand kung ano yung needs talaga ng mga people natin, especially the young people from marginalized communities. And that's when we can really politically participate properly. Uh, how about you, Miss Maya? So now, in the case of, let's say, so with it, on your part naman, when you co-founded Angatbay, why did you feel that it should be something that, on a personal level, I should be a part of this conversation rather than, let's say, Philippine Commission on Women, which is also advocating more or less the same principles about women empowerment and women leadership as Angatbay? Una, I think it's not really a bad thing to have several movements or initiatives. That's also diversity, no? We work closely with PCW and we know how their workload is and we know that they're really working hard to implement all the policies and laws that the government have legislated. But for us, uh, why we thought of it, uh, one, well, I've mentioned earlier already the statistics. Half of the population are, is women, uh, more than 50% of the voters are women, but we only have like 20%. At least we need 30% to change decision-making processes or decision-making at that level. Second, resources and network. Most of the politicians, and usually male politicians, and their family 
have that access to resources. None of the progressive politicians, very limited resources for the progressive politicians. Also, the vicious cycle of politics. Women are not used to it before. I mean, it's not really prevalent now, but to some areas, in some areas, they are. And we've seen that women are as capable as men in so many things. No? We've also seen during the pandemic that they've shown exemplar service and performance. We've ta- we're talking about augmentation of services. They did it, right? I mean, who led the community pantry, for example? She was a young woman. Many of our women politicians, women mayors, many of them have shown really good performance months and really unique and very appropriate services to the needs. Anne just mentioned that uh, intersectionality of the different constituents. So when you have different identities, you have different needs also. They share common needs, but they also have unique needs. We don't essentialize women that, oh, they're better leaders. Oh, they're, they're the best leaders compared to men. What, what, what we want to further advocate is that leadership has, knows no gender, right? It's in the character. It's in the attitude of the person. So if men were socialized in a way women were socialized, they will also have these remarkable traits. That's one. And then quickly, we also thought that you know, capacitating women into leaders, into feminist leaders, is not enough. We need also a constituency that would support the women. So you have to have also voters that will say, we want feminist leaders. We want this kind of leaders. Because if we only capacitate women leaders into feminist leaders, and the political culture doesn't change, it's still patronage politics, it's, it's still... Uh, resources, it's still uh, who gives the best ayuda, more ayuda, then voters will still vote for those types of politicians. It really is a very divisive issue about who gets to have a seat at the table and what are the qualifications for you to be on that seat. On the other hand, on the part of the youth, very nice yung point na nirace na Ajana, na the youth shouldn't create organizations that, you know, it's supposed to be the government's job to do in the first place. Pero since there's a lack of reach, a lack of resources on their end. The youth has this call to service or yun nga, uh, what people would call uh, naivety on ide- or idealism. That's why you're having these kinds of efforts. So on your end, Sir Eric, as the Secretary General of NAFRED, why do you think ganito yung situation over the years? No, parang, this isn't new. The things that we're seeing about women trying to have a seat at the table, trying to have a voice in leadership positions where it's mostly dominated by men. It's not new that the youth are more inclined to join organizations, civil society groups rather than work with government because they're either frustrated with the government bureaucracy or they're just frustrated that it takes too long for certain things to be delivered when it would have been quicker had they done it themselves. No. What's your take on that, Sir Eric? We should not blame or we should not even be surprised that a lot of people are looking at other channels of engagement. And these informal channels of engagement appear to be more effective at times than the regular informal channels of governance. Angela mentioned that they don't want to be hobbled by bureaucracy or by red tape or even by corruption attached to those formal channels of engagement. We also don't want 
to also rely too much on being beholden to the individuals who are supposed to be uh, enablers no, for these services because they have this mistaken notion that the powers to dispense with that rest on them and not from the people. And that's precisely why we want to emphasize that the power that they're holding right now or at least the positions that they're holding right now rest on the people. And that's precisely the whole point of an election. We want to make sure that this principle of where your power emanates comes from the people, comes from the vote. And we want to make these elected officials and those people that they appoint accountable to us. No? Kasi sa akin ay nanggaling yung botong yan eh. Pinagkaloob natin sa kanila yung pagkakataon na ito na to serve us no? because we voted for them. But they have to be accountable to us and they have to be transparent also in their transactions. When they conduct their duties, they have to be accountable to us. I guess that's the reason why we're seeing various groups or various sectors looking for various opportunities or channels already. The youth at times are a bit disappointed with the outcomes of the elections because we often hear, oh, election na naman. Ganito na naman. Yung dating gawin na naman. Walang pagbabago. So most of the people who harbor these uh, sentiments opt not to participate anymore in the election. But it's doing more harm than good because we lose by default. We allow them to enter that political space where we are defaulting from. I still would encourage everyone, no, despite the flaws in the electoral process, that uh, we still have to strengthen it. And the only way probably to do that, or one of the major ways to do that, is through citizens' participation. No? One has to uh, exercise the right to vote. Make sure also that the process is of high integrity by watching over that process. And third, make sure that those people that we elect to public office are accountable to us no? by making sure also that we participate in all forms of government and community opportunities at the community level, whether we participate in the barangay, in special councils, whether it be having our own town hall meetings or talakayans no, in our community. Let our voices be heard. That's the most important thing. We should not abdicate our role as citizens that would be anchored only on voting. Voting is just the start of creating change. And that's the formal process. Of course, one should not be lulled into this complacency also that after all, there is a formal way of doing things. I will not participate anymore in things which I am in control of, things within my sphere of influence. Of course, the youth is somehow collectively equated to new voters. Although we can see that there are non-youth first-time registrants, but the bulk of that new voter demographic are mostly youth. But when you think about it, ang laki ng pressure na binibigay mo sa bata or sa youth, you're giving them this immense amount of pressure to fix the country that somehow older generation have seemed to mismanage their role in government. Why do you think ang laki ng pressure sa kanila in the youth sector? And is it justified that the youth should be seen as two things? One is they're like the watchdogs in terms of government behavior and they're seen as the messiah or savior of politics in general. Maybe that hearts back to how we should reteach, relearn democracy, not just in our generation, but across generations. Now. Democracy is not just supposed to be a high, unreachable concept. It's not something that you have to teach to people. Just like voting is not supposed to be an extra privileged action. It's not supposed to be the end-all, be-all. We have to really normalize that democracy is something that's everyday and intimate, that comes from citizens coming together and asking each other, what's bothering you? How does this problem affect you and your family? What can we do about this? Any consequences? What resources do we need? 
what do we have that we can use and what are we learning now, what i'm trying to say is we should vote because we know that choosing our leaders directly concerns us we should vote because we are the leaders that we need and we are responsible for ourselves and our fellow citizens Siguro, the same way right now that we see slogans that uh, feminist is the future or women, woman is the future. No? Ako, I believe that everyone should have the responsibility to affect change or to do something to achieve development, to achieve change. We cannot blame, for example, the voters or the young voters, young women, na walang silang iboboto na matino. <laughs> Diba? Parang, you're trying to tell them vote, use their power, pero that's why also siguro yung exasperation is coming from that na I keep on voting but nothing's changed, diba? Because there are no alternative leaders in some, I'm not saying every LGU, I'm not saying in uh, in every national elections, but so little. Like, sino boboto ko? One also for advocates is also to develop these kinds of leaders. We have to give them alternative. We have to give them a choice. And it's not a choice if they're just choosing from five political dynasty families. But there's no shortcut because when we want change, we're so used to EDSA, for example. Every time there's an EDSA, there's change. And then we just let our leaders do their work. But for the longest time, from the activists group, sa mga kilala ko, medyo matagal silang nag-invest o tumaya sa electoral reform. Not everyone believed that electoral reform is the way to go. We should go through the long process of deep organizing. I agree to Ange, no, in Angat Bayo, we have one of those proposals na sana integrate sa curriculum yung democratic processes, institution, how to protect them, what are our responsibilities, hindi lang nag-e-end sa voting like Sir Eric has mentioned earlier. There's also the need to really work hard on it. We don't expect to do that overnight or in after one elections. or no. Pero we have to start somewhere also. If there are viable progressive candidates who are interested in running for office, I hope that they do run for local office. Actually, our progressive candidates immediately run for the National Senate, ganyan, vice presidency. But we've seen in Angat Bay how impactful yung work ng isang local official. Imagine mo, di ba, if we have these kinds of local officials in like half, 50%, more than 50% of LGUs. Yung national, parang susunod yun eh, di ba? Yung national yeah. will... Laki ng power ng executive that yung mga local officials just have to say yes. Pero if you have like more than 50% local officials sharing the same sentiments, sharing the same visions, principles, and values, tingin ko kaya ngayong check and balance. Thank you, Ms. Maya. Hi, Sir Eric. Do you have anything to add? or Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that there's some burden or pressure being imposed on the youth, but that's not intended. But what's happening right now is that the youth is feeling the pressure and the burden because again, no? of probably our failures in our earlier generations. Deliver and to show changes and even to be an inspiration to the next generations that we're doing something right. So right now, the more probably you're marginalized, the more you want to create or regain back that space that was lost or that is not present. So you can see right now the youth very active. You can see women being encouraged to run for public office. If you go through the party list system, you can also see that there are various sectoral groups you know, vying for space and a voice to let their uh, concerns be heard. So this is part of democracy, as already uh, discussed. We have to hear the real clamor of the people, bottom-up approach, because ang 
ang nangyayari nga kasi lagi, there's a command or a central or autocratic system where things are being decided only by a few people in government or in your community. But this time around, this change that's happening right now, this in fact, I could even call it indirectly a revolution, is probably leading or would hope, or we're hoping that it would lead towards positive change where things are done in an inclusive manner, things are done in a more open and competitive manner where the choices also for future leaders are varied and there are better choices probably for future leaders. No? Again, no? Go- going back to why elections is important. It's the it's an institutionalized way of succession. It's been enshrined already and I think that's the only way to do it unless of course there's a, an informal way of let's say providing leadership in your community. But for the executive branch for certain positions of governance you still have to go through the Thank you for joining us on today's Hashtag Isangkilospayan podcast episode. You can listen to more episodes here on Spotify. Don't forget to share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. Follow us at ESA Center PH on Facebook and Instagram, and make sure to visit our website at www.esacenter.org. Once again, this is Ollie De La Cruz, and this has been the Isanki Los Bayan, the podcast. See you again in the next episode.